What can NHL teams like the Minnesota Wild learn from both the Vegas Golden Knights and the Florida Panthers? Plus, how do you properly celebrate winning a Stanley Cup when you're in Vegas? We discuss all that and more on today's episode of Locked on Wild. You're locked on wild. Your daily podcast on the Minnesota Wild. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What is happening, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Locked On Wild, your daily Minnesota Wild podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Wild your first listen each and every day. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss out on any new content throughout the week. Today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. You can download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. On today's episode of Lockdown Wild, Johnny Lazarus joins us to talk about the Stanley Cup final. We'll talk about things from both Vegas's perspective as the winner and Florida's perspective as the team that didn't win the cup. And we got to hear some stories about how that uh, championship celebration went down as well. My name is Seth Topol, your daily Minnesota Wild insider. And as mentioned, we got Johnny Lazarus joining us here today. Uh, he is one of, uh, you can find his content at a number of different spots, NHL, Bleacher Report, and uh, also covers the New York Rangers as well. Johnny, first off, uh, thanks for joining us. I would imagine you have had uh, enough time to recover after uh, just a, a crazy postseason run. You were, uh, were covering things every step of the way, and then it all culminated with uh, just a crazy end in Vegas. Uh, yeah, you'd think I'd have enough time to recover. But first of all, <laughs> thank you, Seth, for having me on again. And I actually am getting ready to go to Nashville on Sunday, so I'm getting right back to it for the draft and the awards. Um, I'll be hosting a draft show, so I'm super pumped for that. But, um, yeah, I mean, the last you know month of my life has been – you know, one hell of a party, and uh, I'm just trying to keep it going as long as I can. Yeah, that, that's that's what we're all here to try to do, is just just keep the ride going as long as we can. So let's talk about Vegas to start. Vegas Golden Knights, in case you're, uh, you're just joining us and have been under a rock for the last couple of weeks, they did win the Stanley Cup, and uh, it was an impressive run for the Golden Knights, but you know how it is in the NHL, is the team that wins the Cup, every team that didn't, is trying to take a little something from what the Golden Knights were able to successfully do. So Johnny, having had a chance to see them run through the postseason and really put up some impressive performances, what was the thing to you that stood out most about the Vegas Golden Knights being able to be the ones that hoisted the cup? Well, I think the noticeable or most noticeable thing about them, which you know most teams obviously can you know copy them in some sense, but the, the way they play, they didn't really allow any odd man rushes. Um, and that's something that, you know, I just, you know, a little thing I noticed, like, I don't know if that's like a coaching thing. Obviously it probably is, you know, a credit to Bruce Cassidy, but um, you know, when you watch these teams play, like Vegas had, you know, a number of two on one, three on two opportunities against Florida in that series. And, you know, the other way around Florida, I, I can't think of, you know, one instance where they had a breakaway. Maybe um, there, there might've been one actually in game five. I forgot who Aiden Hill made a big save on early on. It might've been Barkov actually. Um but they were just so sound top to bottom. Their, their depth was, you know, as good as anyone in the NHL. And that's something that's important too for a championship run. Um, but the one thing that like, you know, is interesting, right. Is like they kind of shown and in Colorado's the same way you can throw anyone in goal. And uh, you know, as long as they're there to make the big saves, like they don't have to be the best goalie in the league, but 
if they make the saves when they need to and you have the team in front of them, like anyone can win the Stanley Cup, right? So, uh, you know, Darcy Kemper obviously did it last year in Colorado and that team was so talented up front. Not, you know, as strong on the back end, I think, as Vegas is from one to six, but, you know, Colorado obviously has some talented D-men back there like Kyle McCarr, Devon Taves, um, Sam Gerrard was huge for them, uh, Bo, Bo Byram. Um, so, you know, I, I think the one takeaway from, you know, what the other 31 teams can do is simply just structure and, and how, you know, Vegas was coached. I think that was really the biggest takeaway I got. Yeah, it's it's amazing, too. You have Bruce Cassidy, who is shown the door in Boston and didn't didn't end it on uh, on a good note um, in his tenure there. But he goes to Vegas and just you can see those stylings of a, a true Cassidy team in that he just it's a great defensive structure. And it is it is interesting to me to see all the people in Boston who are glad to see him win it because, you know, those fans don't have any say in the outcome of how that plays out. And so um, coaching, I think, is a huge part of it, too, is that you got to have the right guy on the bench to be able to make all those decisions, all those little decisions throughout the postseason that you don't think really mean anything, that then you look back and you're like, boy, that uh, that decision to go this way in game four really turned the corner for the entire series. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, 100 percent. And, you know, there were times where the Golden Knights had their back up against the ropes, right? Like, I actually think, um, you know, the biggest goal of the entire playoffs for Vegas was that Jonathan Marchessault goal against Dallas. They're down two to one with like two minutes left. Eichel makes a great pass from behind the goal line. Marchessault buries the top shelf on Ottinger. And, you know, Dallas played a really strong game, I thought, in that game, too. And they were, you know, probably 90 seconds away from going back home with a 1-1 series tie. And the way Ottinger was playing, I thought Dallas was the team to beat in the playoffs. I, I you know, I counted Vegas out every single game. I, I did not believe in them. I didn't think they were going to be the ones to do it. Um, and that and that dates back to the series against Edmonton. Um, you know, I did not think Vegas was getting past the second round. So uh, go show what I know. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, I think those little things like, you know, Vegas didn't necessarily feel like they had to like claw their way out of situations like that. Um, you know, they were a pretty commanding and in control team. But those little moments, you know, where Jonathan Marchessault comes up huge, like you need one guy to step up in the playoffs, and that guy did. And, um, you know, that's obviously a, a huge reason why they are the Stanley Cup champions as well. How impressive was the run for those upper-level guys? Mark Stone, we we know what he went through through the regular season, came back after missing a, a good chunk of the season. You've got Jack Eichel, who was phenomenal throughout the postseason. Marchessault, as you mentioned, uh, just how impressive was the run for those guys as those go-to guys to be able to just step up and be brilliant the entire postseason? Yeah, well, I mean, Mark Stone came up, uh, you know, as clutch as ever, right? And those those two big games, game one, he scores the fourth goal, which, you know, gives Vegas the commanding two-goal lead, and then obviously has the hat trick in game five, the closer. So, um, you know, the captain steps up in big moments, and obviously he was a huge loss for them in the regular season. But, you know, Mark Stone is just one of those guys that's such a playoff player. And, uh, you know, I think Dmitry Filipovich actually posted a video of him not too long ago and every clip, like it's a two minute, 20 long video. And that guy is just the definition of stick on puck. Like he, you know, you know the, the one thing I actually will say too with Florida and a, a big difference in the, the way the teams played was Florida was, I think Paul Maurice actually said it. They were playing a little bit like too physical. Like they were out there just trying to kill guys, like not really just separate guys from the puck. Um, whereas Vegas, like Mark Stone, stick on puck every time, like not trying to kill anybody. Um, you know, truly just playing sound defensively. And he was so good, like all over the ice, like scored goals, played well defensively, did everything for them. And then, you know, Jack Eichel, who I still think like, you know, no discredit to March so and what he did, but I still think Eichel was the best player throughout the entire playoffs. And, you know, round one, he steps up round two. He's phenomenal against Edmonton. And 
um, you know, not only offensively, but also doing everything right. Like he was, you know, throwing the body, playing well defensively, creating opportunity off the rush, um, you know, separating guys from the puck. Like, you know, one play that really stands out. I, I forget which game it was. I know Vegas was the home team. It might have been might have been game five. Um, Vegas versus Dallas. Eichel comes in on the blue line, 50-50 battle, out muscles his man. Barbershop comes away with the puck, scores the game's opening, scores the game opening goal. Vegas was up one nothing and they control game five. Um, and that was huge. So Eichel did a little bit of everything. And um, you know, the other guys at the top, like March So, who we talked about already, I thought Petrangelo was, you know, an absolute beast in the back end. Um, Martinez, obviously, you know, one of the best at blocking shots in the entire NHL. Uh, you know, I think all the guys, no one played bad. And yeah. that's what you need. Yeah. That's that's a hundred percent it is, you know, and it's as we'll contrast with Florida, Vegas won with what got them there. Like they, it, they were a sound structured team all season. They, they really leaned in on that during the postseason, had guys step up. Whereas with Florida, as we'll talk about, they got everything right at the critical time during the regular season. And so let's shift gears and uh, talk a little bit about how Florida was able to get to the Stanley cup final and kind of where they go from here. And, uh, the lesson for teams to take from their side of things. We'll do that as we continue today's episode of Lockdown Wilds after this. Are you tired of feeling restricted in your shorts? Want to look good and feel comfortable at the same time? Look no further than Bird Dogs, the ultimate solution for the modern man. Bird Dogs stretch khaki shorts are specifically designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. Say goodbye to baggy, shapeless shorts and hello to the confidence of a tailored fit. But here's the secret. Bird Dog shorts do the exact same thing as those other big name brands, but they fit way better. No more compromising on comfort or style. They've revolutionized shorts by inventing cloud knit fabric, a magical blend that fits just like khaki but stretches, allowing you to move freely while maintaining a slim and stylish lifestyle. And when you order from birddogs.com slash locked on NHL, you'll receive a free Yeti style tumbler with your first purchase. That's birddogs.com slash locked on NHL. Word of warning, though, when you put your bird dogs on, I guarantee you are not going to want to take them off. Continuing today's episode of Lockdown Wild, once again, thank you for making Lockdown Wild your first listen each and every day. For the everydayers, make sure you tune in for another bonus episode today. We'll take a look at who the Wild are pegged to select in the latest mock drafts and we're going to talk a little bit about Matt Boldy as well, uh, so be sure to listen for that. Johnny Lazarus joining us here today, and uh, let's talk Florida Panthers. The Panthers were a mess during the uh, probably the first half of the regular season, and it took them really getting everything right at like the back-against-the-wall point to even get into the playoffs, let alone make a huge run. And so let's just start with the job that Paul Maurice did being able to figure out where the team needed to improve, getting them to improve in those ways, and leading them on just this miraculous journey as a team that nobody expected to beat any of the opponents that they beat up until the cup final. Yeah, so I think one thing Paul Maurice actually said, um, you know, going into this season was Florida last year, President's Trophy winners, super, you know, talented team, especially off the rush, like Jonathan Huberdeau was incredible for them last year. And they created a lot of their offense, you know, getting over the blue line with the puck, with possession and making plays. I think Paul Maurice actually said, and, and, and I, might, I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure he said this uh, earlier in the playoffs, that when he came into Florida, he wanted to establish playoff hockey right away. 
And I think Florida was one of the best teams at getting rid of the puck and getting it back. So they were playing more of a dump and chase style, I think, offensively, where as opposed to last year, you know, a lot of it was more flashy. But, um, you know, that's something that a lot of coaches like to instill in their in their group, but like later on in the season. Um, and, and these are things that, you know, I'm kind of learning, too, as I continue um, to just study the game a little bit more. But I used to think like some players just turn it on for the playoffs and you flip a switch. But that's not really the case, right? Like Florida was really kind of playing this playoff style the entire year. And it's almost the opposite of what Vegas, um, you know, the, the point I made before about Vegas, right? Like I, I said that you can win with, you know, a goalie that makes the saves at the big times. But Florida showed if you do have an amazing goalie, like you can go as far as you can. Um, so I think it's somewhat of the opposite. But, you know, Florida's structure was way more run and gun. Yep. Um, you know, not as crisp i want to say right like a lot of it was creating off of broken plays um you know i I don't have a stat to back it up behind me but um you know what i mean like vegas they were just everything was just like bing bang boom florida i feel like there was just a lot of chaos and it just turned into something positive um but yeah i think what paul maurice did and just his overall demeanor for the team and obviously bringing a personality like matthew kachuk um you know these guys just seem to gel so well in that room and uh, you know, getting to talk to the players on both teams, like Florida was way more loose, way more fun um, on media day. It could have, you know, turned out to backfire for them. But, you know, then again, I know we're talking about Florida, but Vegas also, you know, they had guys who had been in the situation before. And, yep. you know, I think they were the happy go lucky guys the last time they were in the cup final where Florida had that happy go lucky mentality this year because they were you know, the eighth seed. Uh, you know, they got in on a whim essentially because. Chicago beats Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh <laughs> and you know, they had that happy to be there mentality, which, you know, I'm sure if Florida gets to the cup in the next couple of years, they'll be a little bit more locked in and serious, but um, you know, I, I think everyone's different and uh, you know, both teams kind of fed off what their respective vibe was. I love that Florida was the way, the way they were. Um, I thought it was awesome. I thought it was great for the sport. So, you know, that, that starts from the top. It starts in Paul Maurice, right. Having that like sarcastic kind of personality and, he was great in his interviews and stuff like that. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, obviously a phenomenal job and wasn't an easy task coming into a team that won the President's Trophy and got swept in the second round. Well, and especially you look at that Carolina series and every single game in that series, I believe, was decided by one goal. Yeah. And so you have all these just high-intensity moments where you're getting the game winner late in regulation or in overtime, and that's a situation where you need to have your goalie be a, a shutdown guy. And Sergei Bobrovsky, it was, it was a journey. It was a roller coaster through the regular season into the postseason. But once he came in, he really helped restore order. Um, and so, whereas we saw for Vegas, having Aiden Hill do enough. And again, I, I don't want that to sound negative because Aiden Hill had some fantastic moments in this postseason. But being able to do well with a good structure in front of him, Sergey Bobrovsky had some games that he just absolutely would not allow anything to get by him. Yeah, I, I think back to uh, game three against Carolina, the shutout game in Florida. Bobrovsky was unbelievable. And, and, you know, I think at that point, Carolina was just like, what can we do? You know, and it's it's so frustrating, too, because, I, you know, that, that series could easily have been 4 nothing Hurricanes, right? Like they could have easily swept the other way around. So, um, you know, as a forward, I played right wing. And when you play against a goalie that you like literally just can't find a way to score on it gets in your head it creeps mm-hmm. in so um you know you tell people just get pucks to the net right clean up the garbage like all the typical hockey cliches but it's not that simple uh when, when there's a goalie that you know is just feeling the puck and is in the zone like you want to think a little bit more when you shoot you're not just throwing the puck at the net you're looking for a way you know to find traffic or, or just you know pick a corner or something to 
to, to do something to change your luck. So, um, yeah, he was absolutely incredible. And, um, you know, it's, it just goes to show also the parody in the NHL, right? Like Bobrowski is a guy that hasn't really been talked about the last couple of years. And I know everyone's saying that Alex Lyon started the playoffs and, you know, I think there was a quote Paul Maurice said, like, we believed in our goaltending all year long or whatever. And that's like, obviously not true because they didn't start him in the playoffs, <laughs> but, um, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, uh, yeah, that's, yeah. And it, it, it's fascinating too, because I remember looking at the odds for the opening round series between the Bruins and the Panthers. And you look even too into that series with the Panthers trailing three to one. And you're like, oh boy, like Boston can just like, they're going to be able to get this taken care of early. They're going to be able to rest. And if you let your foot off the gas for a second, and this is something that will tie directly into the Minnesota Wild because the last two seasons, they have had two games to one lead in both of their series against the Stars and against the Blues. And it feels like the team just kind of lets up a little, even a little bit, just a little bit of a breath of air and teams in the postseason, that's all they need. And that's all the Panthers needed to be Boston and to just go on this huge run. Yeah. I mean, I'd also, you know, I think, uh, I don't think it's compared enough, but I think there are some similarities between the wild and the Rangers like over the last decade. I know the Rangers have gotten a little bit further a couple more times, but you know, every year I, I could say for the past, you know, 10 years, maybe the Rangers had a little bit, you know, three year gap where they weren't really in the playoffs or in the mix, but you know, every year there's something to be excited about, about Minnesota. Um, you know, you, you think that there is something special there and this year, especially right. Like they were, they were pretty hot this year and they had that like one really bad cold streak, I think back in like March or February, yeah. I think it was February. Um, that's actually when I did my skate with Boldy, they were on like that 10 game losing streak or something where they scored like 11 goals in 10 games. It was pretty, it was pretty sad there. Uh, but the guys were great. Um, but you know what I mean? Like every year the wild are at least competitive and that's, mm-hmm. and that's good as a fan, right? Like you want that as a fan. Um, and as bad as you want them to win the cup, you also want sustainability, which is what the wild bring every single year. So I think if, if I am a wild fan, you know, this year I'm, I'm more excited, you know, I think this coming season than the last maybe 10, 15 years of, you know, being a Minnesota wild person, um, you know, Caprizo obviously is one of the best in the league. I love watching that guy play. Um, you know, I think the goaltending situation is probably iffy right now in Minnesota, right? Like, I don't know if they know who their guy is just yet. Um, but they have two strong goalies. So that's, you know, a positive, mm-hmm. uh, and then the back end, right? Like, you know, I think is Dumba going to leave. He, it's, it's pretty set. I would say it's yeah. 99% that he's gone, but, you throw Brock Faber into that spot yeah. who just, he came on the last like five games of the season and then played in the postseason. It was great. Yeah. And then you have happy Gilmore Boldy who's coming back for another year. <laughs> he's obviously going to be strong. Uh, you know, he's, he's a, he's a hell of a player and uh, you know, I'm excited to see what that kid can do next season too. But yeah, I, I still think like, you know, if, if I'm a wild fan, like I'm happy because you know, Bill Guerin at the helm is a guy who's going to go for it. He's got nuts. Um, and this team is competitive and, and, you know, I, I didn't think they were the better team than Dallas. I didn't think they deserved to win that series. So, like, your fate is kind of handed to you there. But um, at least they competed, right? Like, that was a fun as hell series to watch. That was the most entertaining first-round series, I thought. Yeah, and th- there's no better way to start a series than to have a, a double overtime. And then I say that, and there was – I forget who played it, but there was a four-overtime game in the in the opening round as well. And the Wild had the two-overtime game against Dallas – so it's like, yeah, that was great, but uh, here's a, here's a better one. Yeah, here's a four OT game to uh, to try to overdo it. So it, it is one of those situations where 
one team wins the cup every year. There are a handful of teams that think they've got a legitimate chance at it, but you have to have a lot of little things go right for you to be able to get to that point to where, if you're Vegas, you can party in the only place that seems to be appropriate to celebrate a Stanley Cup. And so as we finish today's show, we'll talk about the Stanley Cup celebration to end all Stanley Cup celebrations. That's next. So you have your pick this weekend of Taylor Swift and the Twins. Which one are you going to? I would try to get tickets now because they're probably going to be pretty expensive. But turns out you look on your internet provider and you can't find anything. Buying tickets the day of an event should not be as stressful as it sometimes is. And Game Time is here to help make it a little easier. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. Game Time offers great flash deals on last minute tickets. They make it easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. And best of all, Game Time offers seat views of your seat before you buy it. So you're never going to be stuck sitting behind a post ever again. Head to GameTime right now. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKDOWNNHL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKDOWNNHL for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Final segment of today's episode of Lockdown Wilds. Once again, thanks for making Lockdown Wilds your first listen each and every day. For the everydayers, we get a bonus episode for you coming up. We're getting closer to the NHL draft, so we'll take a look at where everything stands. Who are the Wilds going to potentially pick at 21? That's coming up later today as well. Seth Topol joined by Johnny Lazarus. All right, let's talk about the celebration because you were you were in the belly of the beast the entire series and had a chance to um, encounter more than a couple of uh, of celebrities, Henrik Lundqvist, Charles Barkley. So before we talk about just some of the things that we can say on air with the celebration, who, who was the celebrity that took you most off guard with having a chance to meet during the course of the Stanley Cup final? Um, wow, that's a tough question. I mean, the Barkley one's tough because I was so drunk. <laughs> um, like, I wish I remembered it more. I really, like, to be honest, I don't. Uh, which one took me by, like... I mean, there's there's one that... I I, I don't want to say this as, like... It's, like, definitely a weird brag, but, like... Uh, you know, obviously, this is my first time covering the Stanley Cup Final, and this season for me was, like, a you know, like coming out party of some sorts. Right? Yeah. Like I've been doing the, the Ranger stuff for a while, but having the NHL media, you know, the overall league, this was a first for me. And, you know, as I was standing on the glass, like waiting to go on the ice, you know, for the cup celebration, I got a tap on the back of my shoulder and it was, you know, Hey Johnny, like just want to introduce myself. And I turned around and it was Mike Rupp. And I was like, damn, like that's, that was cool. Like wow. uh, the fact that he came up to me and like introduced himself, like that's something that I will like, it was a pinch me moment, you know, like, you know, I, I grew up a huge Rangers fan. Mike Rupp obviously scored the, you know, Stanley Cup clinching goal as a devil. My best friend growing up, Henry, is a Devils fan. Like, he was at that game. Rupp obviously had those years with the Rangers. You know, I idolized him. Then his media career, I obviously idolized him in the media as well. So, um, to have that was was pretty cool. And, uh, you know, I wish I could tell you the Charles Barkley thing was awesome, which it was. <laughs> but, you know, I was wasted. And then Henrik, obviously, Henrik was a little bit, um, you know, it was it was cool. 
but it wasn't like a surprise because I like strategically planned it. Sure. Uh, you know, um, and then, I, you know, obviously hanging out like with the TNT guys like Liam and Biz and, and Tockett and Gretzky, like that was awesome. But I didn't have like, you know, genuine like conversations or, or uh, interactions with them. Um, so, yeah, I'll say that the rough one for me was just like, a, like, like, wow, I'm, I'm like here. You know? Yeah. And, and it's usually it's usually those that have the biggest impact of the ones that you're not expecting. So that that one as as like the top, that's awesome to hear uh, because you know I selfishly hope that at some point <laughs> I get the chance to have one of those. Your time's coming, man. Your time's coming. I'm telling you. Yeah, it'll it'll be it'll be here before we know it. So I'm I'm glad to hold out hope that that it can. Um, I got I got to ask because I know I saw the uh, the photo at five five twenty a.m. with you and Eichel and a couple of the other. Give me more credit. It was 540. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, 540 of just burning burning the night oil, just having a good time with Eichel and the boys. Uh, j- just is there a word to even describe how the celebration went? Because, one, it's the Stanley Cup. It's, it's celebrating winning the Stanley Cup. And, two, it just so happened to be in Las Vegas, too. Like, yeah. is there a more perfect place to be able to do all of that after what we see in the hockey season? I mean, it was also my first time in Vegas, so, like... Really? I don't think I, I, don't think I could ever go back. Right? Like, <laughs> like, it's never going to live up, right? Like, I screwed myself for the rest of my life, you know? So, um, but, you know, I got to be honest, like... And I know Grinnell talked about this on Chicklets a little bit, too. We, we had a good crew of, like, five of us. It was me, Grinnell, and, and the Empty Networks guys, Chris, Dan, and Red. And, you know, we kind of like our own little pack for the, the two weeks and whatnot. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm not really a big club guy. So, like, I, I wasn't dying to go to Omnia. But, like, when you hear the Stanley Cups going there, like, you got to go. Yeah. Right? Um, but for me, you know, that picture and, and what's, you know, what I'll always remember about that night was, um, and I've told the story, like, a ton already. But, I you know, it doesn't get old telling it. Um, we left Omnia and ran into Eichel, Colasar, and Haig, and they were talking about this bar, McMullins, which was like two and a half miles off the strip. I didn't want to go. I was like, I am dead. I was looking for any way out. <laughs> I, I was so tired. Like, and, and I had seen the cup. I partied with it at the club. Like, I was good. I was set. Uh, credit to Chris Powers because Chris was like three times, I think, throughout the night, I was ready to call it. And Chris was like, dude, you got to stay. You got to stay. And Chris was like, we're going to McMullins. We're going to McMullins. We're going to follow them. Like, hopefully they show up, whatever. So we show up at this like little dive bar or Irish bar. There's probably four people in there when we get there. It's four in the morning. And, you know, we sit around for like 10 minutes. No one shows up. We're like, all right, let's have one friend beer. Call it a night. Like, we did great. Good for us. You know, probably a minute into this beer. Sure enough, Eichel, Colasar, Haig all stroll in with their like friends, girlfriends. And now it's just like 20 of us in this bar. Like, no music playing, just natural, <laughs> genuine conversation. And And to me, like, you know, this is the the end of the night where everyone's kind of like sobering up. Like we had a couple of beers, but you know, everyone's kind of getting food in them. Yeah. Uh, everyone's tired. Sun's coming up. And you know, I, I, I don't like remember how it happened, but we look over and now it's just like the five of us, Eichel, his girlfriend and his buddy at the bar, just eight of us total. And you know, we go over to Jack and we just start talking to him and, and he's like sobering up. And, and now it's just like, you know, we're sitting with the guy who just led the playoffs in points, won the Stanley cup up his first cup you know, NHL superstar. And we're talking to him guy to guy. And it's not like, you know, no phones are out. No one's recording anything. It's just, you know, us talking to him, like 
we would if we known each other our whole lives. And uh, to have Eichel like be a little bit vulnerable in that situation. And yeah, listen, like I, the partying with the cup thing, I thought that would go all night, but like these guys kind of separated from the other guys and that's fine. Like, I, you know, that's just how it goes. But um, to have that, I, there's not many people I feel like that can get that opportunity. Right. I was like something that I'm just, you know, so grateful for that we uh or not we but that chris was so demanding on going and following them and you know it's something i'll remember forever and uh you know also i have such a higher appreciation for jack eichel because of just how open he was with us and like talking to us it was really cool well it's funny because you know that was one of the things when eichel was first going to be traded and and it was brought up here uh when because the wild were seriously linked to Jack yeah. Eichel before he went yeah. to Vegas. And one of the mm-hmm. things that was um, that was brought up as kind of a detractor, I I myself was was just a little concerned about the neck thing because that was that was a pretty experimental surgery that he had to try to fix that. So that was my concern. But there were a lot of people who said character issues, don't want to really yeah. touch that. And it's like, you know He's the I'll, same birth year as me. I've heard that growing up too. A lot of a lot of that can stem from just being in a bad situation. Like nobody wants to be in, nobody wants to be in a toxic work environment in, in their day job. And so when that happens to a team, it obviously takes a toll on you. And he just, he seems like he has really embraced being in Vegas. And that will be, if the wild are putting a list together, if we're, if I was putting a list together on this show of what ifs for the Minnesota wilds, Eichel is always going to be one of those because it's going to be, you know, we, we didn't really know necessarily what we would have had to get rid of to get him, but that's always going to be a what if because now he's won a cup in Vegas. And so it's like, if he comes here, do we win one? I I don't know. It's, it's the butterfly effect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, totally. And um, yeah, he is a hell of a player. And like I said, I, you know, I didn't know him as a, as a guy, but I hadn't heard the best things. So, you know, getting to talk to him one-on-one was Super cool. Yeah, and that's and that's what it takes sometimes. So that's uh, that's all the time we have. Johnny, a blast. Always, always enjoy getting a chance to catch up. We'll definitely have to do this as we move through the off season. But glad you had a good time, uh, to say the least, <laughs> celebrating the Stanley Cup and uh, onward and upward to uh, bigger and better uh, for the both of us. Yeah, thank you, Seth. Appreciate it, and uh, I appreciate your support on uh, Instagram message throughout the entire final. You were oh yeah. I got I got a fire emoji from everything I was throwing up. <laughs> well, it's because it all looks so cool. Like I'm yeah. I'm not gonna not acknowledge something that just looks like it is an absolute <laughs> blast. So that's well, I appreciate it. Th- that's just how I roll. So that's gonna do it for today's episode, listeners. Thanks for tuning in each and every day. You can follow Johnny on Twitter at jlazzy23. So make sure to give him a follow. We'll have him back on as we move through the off season as well. Make sure you follow us on YouTube. On your favorite podcast platforms, we've got new content for you every single day of the week as part of the Locked On Podcast Network.